we're bouncing around. It's from the Rookery Inn. Why are we bouncing? Because Watford have just won 2-1 at home to Leicester on Boxing Day. Merry, Merry Christmas. My name is John. Uh, with me is Jason. Merry Christmas. And Colin. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Colin, uh, we were podcasting outside the uh, the Amex on Saturday. We weren't as merry as this, that's for sure. And that was even before our Christmas presents were, had turned up. That was a very different performance. It was like chalk and cheese. It's hard to believe that we actually support the same club (laughs) because it was only, what, a few days ago. And this performance today was right from the beginning, really, I think, completely different. And it's so hard to know why that should be. He made some changes, made some quite interesting changes. He kept Watson in the team, but he brought DeCorey back in. So then you've got Watson, DeCorey and Cleverly. And then it kind of makes sense because what Watson can do is as we talked on the, the outside the Brighton game, there's, there's some limitations to his game. But in that in that uh, lineup, then he becomes a strength for us because he can really mop up. He brought Wagyu, Wagyu, Wagyu. Yeah. Let's go with Wagyu, yeah. Let's go with Wagyu. Stick with Wagyu, who we've not seen much of. He was he played into the second half against Swansea. I think he picked him because he's clearly fast, and Prodel is not fast. And their transition from winning the ball to counter-attacking is so terrifying to watch if you're an opposing fan. And Wagyu and Cabaselli handle that pretty well on the whole, and Ziegler, because they're quick and they can get back. So those are the changes that he made. No centre-forward, so Richarlison was pushed into a kind of false nine position, I guess, is the modern terminology. It was all a bit perplexing. You think, well, we've lost four games in a row, you've got to do something, you can't just play the same side. So he does that, but the spirit and the, and, the, and the way that we went about our game today was completely different from Brighton, and I guess that's just something that happens in football sometimes. Well, for me, you know, Jason, I came to the, the game, I remember the last thing I said to my wife before I left was, uh, I'm not expecting a win. Uh, so make sure we've got some that Christmas brandy ready uh, for when I, uh, I come through the front door. Um, but the, the, the thing, like I say, the, the, the changes Colin pointed out there were, were made and now make sense. They didn't necessarily make sense. I, you know, I, I felt like I did, maybe we wouldn't start as, as well as in the game. We, we started better than we did against Brighton. We were certainly trying to close things down. Uh, but we grew into that first half, didn't we? Yeah, I suppose it was, it was more of an even contest. And I think the... the half-time score reflected that we I must admit I thought we got through the first 10 minutes and I thought well we've got this far so far and we're looking all right we had a bit of a warning with I think Vardy breaking through and then they got the goal and at that point I thought well that's going to be it heads are going to drop it's it's all going to go horribly wrong and there was an incident that happened that seemed to change it and that was the Pereira injury if indeed it was that I feel bad asking the question but it's cold it's wet Perhaps he didn't fancy it, I don't know, but it then made a big, big difference. He got a car on, and I, I must admit, I, at the start of the game, I was wondering, with all the changes he did make, you could see the change at the back made sense, but the one thing up front, you've got Wes Morgan, big lump, you've got Harry Maguire, good with the ball at his feet, likes to bring the ball out of, from defence. We needed someone that was going to disrupt, and whilst Richarlison does or can have a lot of energy he has been looking tired and I wasn't sure if he was the man that could cause both centre-backs disruption in that sort of lone striker role because I, I took it as well he's clearly going for the draw he's not going for an out and out striker but hey with those three up front so Carrillo and and Pereira and, and Charleston that could be you know a, a pair a, a could break and, and get a bit of speed and, and maybe get behind them and that, that might be where a goal could come from in, in the, the, a new way from where a goal could come from that we, we didn't see on Saturday yeah and I suppose it's easy for us to say in hindsight Akaka comes on and with minutes we're uh, <clears throat> we're level and half time really came at the wrong time for us I thought because we were looking very good Richarlison had a chance before the goal 
hit the post just after the goal. Luck not quite on his side today. And as we went off at half time, I'm thinking, I hope we haven't, we don't regret those chances we missed and that we sort of haven't missed the boat in sort of getting into the game too late. And, and that was our go. And we're not gonna, we're not gonna see the ball in the second half. But obviously, it didn't turn out that way. Let's talk about some of the, the, the big hitters of, of, of the game. You know, we, we said Carrillo got the man of the match. Um, you are, you are, you have been, Colin, and still are, even after today, a big fan of uh, Andre. The international. Um, well, I wouldn't say I was a huge fan of his, but I do think that he brings something to the side that, say, Amrabat didn't. In that he he's a he's a much more fluid sort of player. He doesn't stick rigidly to his right wing position. He can he does that beautiful little move where he looks like he's going to go on the outside of the player, and then he dinks it and he's back inside, and then he runs across uh, the pitch, sort of comes inside, and that confuses defenders because he's the winger and he's not supposed to be doing that and that opens uh, up opportunities for him to pass his final ball like all wingers like all like, you know the final ball is the thing you spend you pay the money for uh, and his is better than Amrabat's but it's, he still has his moments where he, he doesn't make a quick enough choice or his, his pass isn't quite good enough but I thought we, he was influential in the game still hasn't scored don't think he's got an assist I don't, I don't know if he got one I don't know how that second goal went in so I have no idea who, who got the assist so I thought he played well. I thought the uh, Pereira, was that definitely an injury? I, I wondered whether it was a tactical substitution because he was having no influence on, on the game, no. really, at all. And He, he, seemed, bright, he, he, seemed, he seemed brighter and livelier than he did against Brighton. He didn't, I certainly noticed him a bit more than I noticed him away at Brighton. But when, he, when he went off, it did look like he was sort of favouring his leg, as they say. He okay. did look like he might be hobbling a bit. I'm not sure, not entirely I sure. I can't believe that he would have uh, done anything when it's a bit wet and cold, I don't really But yeah. I mean, he's, he's obviously very worried about his knee, which yeah. he's had a long layoff. He's had problems with that knee his whole career. And as soon as he feels a twinge, he thinks, I'm, I've, I've got to protect myself. Because, I, I, you know, he wants to carry on playing football for the next four or five years. And he doesn't want to have to retire with a... So I can sort of see it, but... And no one makes a tactical substitution in the 44th minute. Nobody does. No. So, so it can't have been. It must have been an injury. But um, as soon as Akaka came on, Leicester, they, they looked less confident. They, they looked more like, oh, blimey, we've got to deal with this chap now. And, and, and they've done it, of course. They're used to doing it with Maguire and, and Morgan. That's what they do. But nevertheless, they suddenly had someone right up against them who was going to battle them, you know, uh, one for one, in the air, on the ground, same kind of strength, same sort of body mass. And, uh, and it, made, it made a difference. And I, I thought Akaka... I mean, for me, I don't know, we can talk about it later, but I can't see how you cannot play him against Swansea. Surely. What, what has the boy got to do? I know he's not massively fit. I know he's not, you know, whip it fit, but we've got other players that can do that. But what he brings to our side, what he does really well is he, is he protects the ball. Yeah. So when we're 2-1 up and we've got 10 minutes to go, when he gets it, he can, he can get a minute out of that just by holding it and then he's got his back and they're climbing all over him and eventually he goes down and wins, a, wins a, a free kick which gives us another you know 30 seconds 40 seconds he's so good at that and I thought our game management towards the end of the game was so much better than it was at Palace where we were leading or uh, well we haven't been leading that's the last time we were leading but, <laughs> but nevertheless you know we, we, I thought we managed much better there was less panic Decore was the one who sort of we didn't play um, in the game against Brighton sort of came in um, and I think maybe I say like we grew into the game. He grew into the game. Yeah, absolutely. Him and I think cleverly as well. The, the, the pair of them sort of had a few loose passes perhaps early on. But as we got better, yeah, I think you're absolutely right, John. I, I, I thought those two players looked looked a lot better, and a lot more comfortable. Um, and Corey starting to do what you want him to do, which is sort of take the game up the pitch and sort of move the ball forward at his feet using that long stride of his. A podcast made by Watford fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. Another player that impressed me today again was Zegler. 
coming back in. I, I thought he looked really good around the left-hand side. He, he's a comfortable defender, but also he's got extreme pace and can put a decent ball into the box as well. I think he's sort of the a fully sort of rounded left-sided player picked up the booking I thought he was a bit unlucky with the yeah, old yeah, yeah. type he knew exactly what he was doing with the, with the time wasting it just happened to hit him last I think I think cleverly was trying to tackle him on the sideline there <laughs> just to waste a bit of time and he was the one that ended up with a yellow card but hey ho Colin you're a big fan of the Holobas but Ziegler over several games now has sort of said you've got to put no, it's just, it's just, I don't know it's, it's the I used to still always have that irrational side of Holobas that Crazy outburst, and he he seemed so negative. I tell you what, on, on right at Brighton, he just seemed that bit more negative, that bit more moany, that bit more things aren't going well, and you don't want that around the team. No, you really, really don't, and and you can't compare the two players really. As much as I love him for his <laughs> uh, his crazy competitive spirit and uh, his irascibility, like all left backs, all left backs are sort of mad. He he has got that about him, Ziegler. He's he's, he's, a, he's a physical presence as well as pace and technique. Of the two, you, you've got to pick Ziegler. You've got to. I mean, he's he's a superior player, and when you're playing against centre forwards as fast as players like Vardy or as tricky as Mares, you need someone with real pace and real presence and Holobas you know he's, he's 32 I think he's coming to the end of his career I wonder if he might he, he might be one of the players that we might say bye bye to this January if, if someone of a Greek side comes in and says well, you know, come and play for us and he might because he isn't going to play in this team if Seagar is fit and not suspended the, the man of the season so far must be Richardson you know and, and he showed again today what how young he is in many ways but also what he can offer this team. The youngness is in terms of when you want to stick him up front in a position he hasn't really played in. He did stuff, he did what he did, but he didn't do that role. But he, the minute he went back into his happy place, let's call it on the left-hand side, he's like, hello, he's back, and he was backing up and down all over the place. He did, and teams are still scared of him, no matter how well we think he's playing. Teams know that he's still capable of something. And, and when he first got the ball today, he had four men on him straight away. It was incredible to watch. And yeah, it was a bit of a, a struggle for him out of position. And even when back in his position, there are a couple of moments where you think if he was fully fit and not as tired as we think he might be, there was a great ball from Watson out where he's difficult to control and I'd have done, I, I wouldn't have been able to control it at all. But Richardson, maybe he was less tired, might have taken it down a a lot better instead it sort of pinged off him for a, for yeah. a goal kick you think that if we had other players available we'd probably get a rest but he is still a threat and unlucky not to score today first half when he's had that chance when he sort of waited oh, perhaps yeah, he should yeah, have taken yeah. it first time John didn't like Kasper Schmeichel's bright pinky orangey kit yeah. today because I have this thing you know they talk about this goalkeepers union all the boys together why don't they get in their union and say no we're not going to wear stupid colour goalkeeper kits because that's ridiculous the kit but as Jason said I think that was it. That Richardson would have seen that out of the corner of his eye. Exactly. He would, he, he would have seen the presence of Schmeichel, and that's probably what put him off. I, I, it sounds a bit silly, but I, I reckon there's a there's a bit of science there. We'll ask Eddie Boothroyd. He was big on coloured kits and stuff, wasn't he? I just don't understand why goalkeepers have to look like highlighter pens, but they all do. <laughs> Every single one. I mean, I, I hate to be a terrible old curmudgeon, but aren't goalkeepers supposed to wear green? with black shorts it's just a different colour red will do just say not day glow orange like you're going to a nightclub that's all I'm just saying I think he should have he should have scored one of those two chances and yeah. I, I think that is a confidence thing and I think he is young and he gets a chance and he wants to score so badly that he takes a touch he doesn't need to take and a more confident uh, Richarlison or you know a more confident number nine would have hit that first time back across the goal and it would have been you know it would have been a, a, a not quite a tapping but it would have he could have made the chance easier for himself as soon as he took a touch and went out wide you thought yeah, yeah. You're not, you're not and the other one 
was a bit of a tougher one, but, uh, but he hit the base of the post. It's great to see him getting in those positions. And when he went back out onto the left, where, where he really scores for us is, is the ball from the right-hand side, the, the Carrillo ball or, or Yanmat's ball that comes across. He always arrives there in that position just at the end, just to just get a shot on target. And he, he does look a lot better out there. He, he did look a little bit lost in the middle partly because of the you could barely see him for the hulking brutes that Leicester <laughs> City have at the back but um, yeah he's, he, he can play his game more he's got a bit more space and he can, he can get at people and it's hard you know he, he spent the first 25 minutes he didn't touch the ball I don't think because he's just, he's just moving across moving back and, back and across trying to find a moment where they can get the ball to him but it, it didn't really happen and, and uh, we looked much more balanced once he went over to the left and uh, and a carker came on. There are a couple of balls as well that sort of got played from from our central midfielders sort of into channels where he wasn't making those runs, and and the sort of central defenders mopped them up. And again, that just sort of showed the number nine wasn't his natural position and, and didn't really suit him. But, but this thing of them putting three, three or four, or two or three or four players on him as soon as he gets the ball, we use that to our advantage brilliantly, I think, because Decore always drifts across to where Richarlison is and if Richarlison can just slip the ball out from under those three players suddenly there's masses of space for other players to come into particularly on the other side of the pitch so even though it's frustrating for him I suspect that he gets the ball and there's men on him all the time that he's getting his learning and his, his experience starting to realise that this is an advantage for us because they've committed so many players to stop him from doing what they're frightened that he's going to do that we can then he can slip the ball and then suddenly we're in space across the other side of the pitch and we and we started to do that really well I mean I was a bit tearful almost at the end of the game because I thought we might never win another football match in my lifetime and, uh, and we have and I really don't know how and I'd really like to know what, what you, how you think we actually won that game because it seemed to me like we, we didn't exactly mug them but we played much better than we did at Brighton with much more spirit and we dug in and we got the goals when we needed them and we managed the game better in the last 15 minutes than we did say as I said against Palace Well they, aren't, they, aren't a, they have had their slip ups they, ha- they have been yeah. on a good you know, run they have had their slip ups um, and you just sort of get the idea. I think we we stepped up our gear and got that second goal, or got that sort of got the first goal, just at the right time. And then they just sort of seemed to be uh, against them. And I think we just sort of it almost felt like we took it back to what was the what have been the Watford basics this season. How we pass the ball around. It it wasn't 100 what we've done in the past. And all the players that, that were doing it at the beginning of the season aren't here. You know, there's no Chalibur, so it was a little bit off here, there, and everywhere. But in the second half the spirit and the character which we didn't see and we haven't seen for a good month or so was definitely there today I saw Richarlison celebrating uh, the final whistle really just like punching the air like we've got one we've won one and now we can we can kick on and hopefully that's what's going to happen I do think that that, that Leicester he made some tactical errors Claude Puel, that we were there for the taking I thought after they scored the first goal and yet he continued to press us and press us and press us which is obviously what they do and then they win the ball and then they whip it over the top but the second half they did start to look leggy and tired and we that's I think why we came into the game why we were able to dominate the second half because we had a lot more time on the ball than we had in the first half because they just couldn't keep that up and then he just chucked on centre forwards. I had four of them: Damari Gray, Joa, Slimani, Vardy. I mean, he was just a lovely forwards. line of five white white shirts in the front going. We're ready. Yeah, and pass Mark, it up. Marco quite quickly brought Prodel on, yeah. which I thought was just a, was. I mean, it was an obvious thing to do, yeah. but he did do it. <laughs> yeah, and it helped. So going back to what you're saying about basics as well, John. Interesting. No, we scored from two set pieces today, and clearly there was a a failed one that looked like it had come off the training ground. Perhaps that was the, the, our, our lane of attack today. Perhaps that's what we were looking at. We know we've been struggling recently to score goals. The last few games, maybe 
going back to basics, I mean, doing something different, doing something creative to try and get a goal, knowing that we didn't have a striker on the pitch at the start, doing something different with set pieces was the way we were going to try and win the game. We're the Orns, you're the Orns. Come on, you Orns! The Ballon Orn is the trophy that we give out every year here on From the Recruit for the best player in the calendar year. There is the Ballon d'Or, uh, but this is the Ballon Orn. Past winners include Akitsianya, the original winner, uh, Daniel Toja, Odi Nagalo in his uh, great year where he scored all his goals and never scored before, never scored after. <laughs> Valon Barami, but who's going to win the, the 2017 Ballon Orn? I think I'm going to put the three, the three players I think we're going we're to discuss now. It's got to be one, Gomez, Decore and cleverly I think we, 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 you know, we talked about how great Richarlison is but he hasn't been here the whole time Jace Gomez for me maybe not as a shining player but as the consistent player who is still doing what he's been doing for several seasons now uh, and particularly do a great couple of saves right at the end uh, today to sort of get an extra couple of votes in the Ballon Orn uh, from, the, from the Ballon Orn judges which is basically us three <laughs> I think the thing about Gomez is that, like today, he, he won us those points, really, right at the death. He made two or three really, really good, difficult saves. As I said, they had four strikers on, balls were coming in high. A couple of headers, he got down really low to the right. And the other one, he sort of attacked the ball on the left-hand side and pushed it away. The other thing that he brings to the side, particularly because of, of Dini not really being part of this in the same way that he has been over the past two seasons, he's the captain, he's a senior professional and I think that he, his influence on the younger players that we now have is, is, a, is something that should be a mark in the credit column for Gomez because I think he is very influential here. Uh, and he is a brilliant, brilliant goalkeeper. He makes the odd mistake. All goalkeepers do that. But uh, he's won us a hell of a lot of points in this year, I think. Oh, I said my the article uh, that I wrote for Golden Pages fanzine uh, picked up today, uh, we talked about the most valuable goalkeeper Watford ever had. He is, for me, the most valuable goalkeeper Watford have ever had. Maybe not the best, maybe not the strongest and all the rest of it, but he's the most valuable for all those reasons you've said. Colin mentioned about the uh, sort of looking after the younger players right at the end there. He had his arm round, I think it was Cabaselli, and just saying a, a few words to him just for the for the last few dying seconds, just a, a, obviously just seeing him through towards the end of the game, and yeah, that's exactly what Colin's talking about. So I think, I think Cabaselli could be a potential Ballon d'Or 2018 because I, I think he's becoming a really really good centre half for us, and really starting to read the game well. He's, and he's powerful and strong and he's great on the deck as well so he, he might be one for the future I don't think he gets into the into the shortlist this year but no. I think he's worth a shout maybe but what cleverly though yeah, cleverly has been with us for this calendar year you know he came in the January transfer window uh, and he's had a, a great solid year throughout absolutely I mean he, he when he first arrived he wasn't ripping up trees per se he was he was solid in what was as we know, uh, sort of struggling below par side, and he and he and he looked okay. He was he was a reasonable midfielder. It's the way he sort of started this season for me that sort of made him stand above everyone else. And he was played in a position that perhaps he's not comfortable with in that sort of number ten role. And he just he just looked really good. It looked like he'd been playing there all his life. Sort of the the runs he was making. We know he's comfortable on the ball, and that sort of almost almost peaked with the winner at Arsenal. And so since then, he's it's. There's been a few bumpy moments, and today's game probably sums up Cleverley's Watford career since he's come back in a in a nutshell. It sort of just took him a while to get going, as we said, but once he did, he looked, he looked great. And I think he's had such a such a solid, consistent mainstay of the side, someone that you can call upon. And when we are struggling with injuries and with suspensions, 
having cleverly in the side as a sort of Mr. Dependable is, is exactly what you need. The other one, uh, Decore, then Colin, who didn't play a huge amount at the beginning of the year. We thought he was going to actually go at the very beginning of the year. Very similar to, to Tom. He sort of has, has really grew as the year's gone on. Has he shone a little bit more than maybe we've said about the solid Gomez and the dependable Cleverly? I think for Watford fans, he definitely shines. And we, we notice him probably more than the pundits do because it's a bit like N'Golo Kante when he was playing for Leicester. He was doing so much work, but everyone was talking about Mahrez and Vardy. And then eventually they went, oh, that lad's not bad, is he? <laughs> it, might, it, might, it might be him that's helping them win the Premier League because of the way that he was able to control the game. And today, I think, was a classic example of, of Decor. OK, he came back after having a game off and he, he, was, he wasn't quite on it for the first 10 or 15 minutes. But once he got his head right, uh, realised that they weren't that scary, the players he was playing against, he was able to keep the ball, he knocks it down, he can draw a foul, he can slip the ball to someone and then immediately... I don't know how he does that. It's like, it's like magic. He's got men round him. He's on the ball. You think he's probably going to, you know, they're, they're trying to get it off him. He slips the ball to somebody, be it Jan Matt or, or Cleverly, and immediately, within five seconds, he's in space and the ball comes back to him. And they have to go back to him again and try and get the ball off him. And then he does it again. And it must be a very frustrating player to play against if you're a. It's when he gets the ball like really stuck. Like yeah. It's almost like it's right below him and there's no way he can get it out from his feet. But he does. He, goes, he gets it out there. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> I just demonstrated. Yeah, <laughs> you can't see that, obviously, but yeah. Uh, so I think um, when you see, well, I mean, we haven't seen uh, Watford without him except at Brighton, and we we looked lost in in central midfield. We couldn't keep the ball. Um, what I liked about uh, Cleverly today was because Watson was in the team alongside Decore and the three of them kind of together. Cleverly was able to move further up the pitch, which I think is is probably a better place for him. Uh, he can use his, his strengths and skills better if he's a little bit further up. When he's absolutely alongside Decore, I think he, he sometimes is not uh, the player that we want him to be. But uh, So today, Cleverly was able to do that, and, and I did think I thought he came into the game more and more. But back to Decore, it's hard really to argue against him being our best player, I think, our most influential player, because he's enabled us to play in a different way, in what you might call a more sophisticated Premier League style of football where you can actually take the pressure off yourself by just keeping the ball for a few minutes and Decore allows us to do that. And also, he scores goals. He gets up, you know, when you least expect it and bam, there he is. And he's got a good eye for goal and he's, and he's scored, what, five or six or so, so yeah. The players who, who could have made the list, maybe uh, Charles, as we said, but it's maybe not enough time, uh, enough games for him to, to, to get on the, the short list. Firmino as well had a great has a great start to, to his year here at Watford. Uh, and you could also say if Chalabar maybe injured, he, he would have been part of this discussion. But it is for the entire calendar year, and those three men have been with us uh, the entire year. Um, well, let's give a vote. The vote, Jason, who are you going to pick? It's, it's tricky. Mm. It's tricky. I, I think I'm, I'm discounting cleverly. Perhaps Decore came in a little bit too late towards the end of last season, so I'm going to go Gomez. Oh. It was difficult, it was difficult. Colin, who are you going to vote for? One, two, three, four. Absolutely, <laughs> Decore. And I think I'm going to the final vote uh, to Florence, Colin's daughter. Florence, who would you pick the Ballon d'Or? Gomez, Cleverly or Decore? Um... I feel like Gomez because he basically has kept us in the Premier League for the past three years. So yeah, I pick Gomez. So Gomez is the winner of the Ballon Orn. Congratulations, Horelio. There is no prize and there will be no trophy. <laughs> <laughs> A podcast by Watford fans for Watford fans. This 
is from the rookery end. Up next, we're back here at the Vic. Um, hopefully, the place will be buzzing because I think everyone turned up today a little bit off par, a little bit worried. Um, ready to play Swansea, who haven't played today. They are sat at the bottom of the Premier League. They're currently managerless. Uh, they're playing at the moment uh, against Liverpool as we record this. Colin said earlier on, you know, Akaka's got to start up front. You said, you know, it feels. It feels right. You said it's the frustration he can bring a defence, and actually, when you're bottom of the league, you want to make them feel even more frustrated uh, about the game. Are there many changes you'd make from that? The start yeah. of the second half, eleven. Uh, it's all about in- injuries, I guess. If Will Hughes is, is is able to play on Saturday, then I might bring him in for Watson. And I think if Fomenia was was back, then I might bring him in for Yanmat. But apart from that, I think, I think if you bring a player into a side like Waggy today and, and we get a win, if you say, right, thank you very much, but I'm going to put Poddle back in, and I think you just, it's dispiriting for the squad. You think, and it's the same for Akaka. I mean, whatever's gone on, and who knows what it is, he has carried on working hard and he has forced his way back into the, into the team, partly because of Deeney's suspensions and because of Gray has been, hasn't really been doing it. So in the end, Silva looks along the bench and goes, come on. Come on, Stefano, on you go. And he had a good second half. So I feel like if you're then going to drop him, you're not just sending a message to that player, you're sending a message to the whole squad. And if people perform well, they should keep their shirt. So I would carry on with Wagyu and I would play Akaka. But the other two changes, I think, you could argue that Firminia should come in for Yamat in the way that Ziegler has come back in for Holobas as soon as he was available. And I think if Hughes is is available, then that that trio in central midfield... Uh, is stronger than it is with Watson. Nothing wrong with Watson, but I just think that with we against the bottom club, you know, I think well, I think we can really cause them some problems. They're going to be lacking confidence. Um, really, bottom of the league, no confidence. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> state the obvious, Bailey. Assuming that Alfie Mawson is still playing centre back for them, the young lads. He struggled last year. I think he got a bit bullied by us last year. And if you've got someone like a Carker up against him. He's going to cause him a lot of problems, I think. So, yeah, absolutely a carker to start. We're back here at the Vic on Saturday. We're also going to be on uh, Saturday chatting to uh, Andy Lewis because he's selfishly taking himself back off to the uh, northwest to watch Watford against Manchester City. And we're going to try and persuade him not to go uh, to see if we can get some sort of points off Manchester City. Uh, as long as it's not a loss, that's all You know, that's all we're after, Andy. Think about it. Uh, but also, we're going to chat about the transfer window. The, the, let, let's talk about where we no- need to make some changes. Where, what do we need to really spend a bit of cash on I don't think we're going to say who because we're not that sort of well informed yeah if there's any sort of views you think in particular where you think Watford do need to make some changes uh, then do get in touch via social media at Watford Podcast on Twitter uh, and Facebook uh, and I don't think you can really send a view via Instagram but you know anyway uh, get us a message or uh, email podcast at from the com. let's go old school man we don't have a postal address so uh, thank you very much Jason thank you uh, thank you very much Colin thank you very much and uh, Watford are back on the rise. Come on, you ones. <laughs>